Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Friday, May 20th, and today, Dylan Byers stops by to tell us what's going on with NBC News, land of 100 fiefdoms, including Chuck Todd's Meet the Press, which has tried long and hard to figure out a digital strategy in an era when the Sunday show is dying. And later on, Alex Bigler joins us for another round of Feedback Friday. We'll dive into the mailbag for your feedback, and you'll learn why you should never call me Pete. We'll hear about all that and more, plus Dylan's cocktail recommendations on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Happy Friday, everybody. I am joined today uh, by our media savant, Dylan Byers. Um, but I'm trying to get in the habit every time Dylan comes on of having him recommend a, a cocktail for the evening because Dylan's really, really savvy about that stuff. So Dylan, what do you, what's your Friday night drink this evening? Friday night. Uh, have you ever had a Naked and Famous? Uh, I don't think so. What is Have that? you ever been Naked and Famous? Um, <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Naked and Famous is a great, it's like a Negroni, which we talked about the last time. Uh huh. It's very easy to remember because it's all equal parts. So you have uh, Mezcal. Okay. You have Aperol. Okay. You have Chartreuse. Ooh. And you have uh, lime juice. That sounds great. It's a, if you like Mezcal. I do. This is great. And you like a little bit of bitter and a little bit of sweet. It's a phenomenal drink. Equal parts across the board, three quarters of an ounce or an ounce if it's a Friday. So uh, of of each ingredient, <laughs> shake it over some ice, strain it into a coupe. That sounds like a great like spring summer thing too. I'm very excited for this tonight. Right, and so in LA it works year round, and it's it's very nice. Um, anyway, the real reason you're here is just as exciting as cocktails, which is Chuck Todd, the host <laughs> of Meet the Press. <laughs> you wrote a piece this week about. Chuck, sort of in the context of NBC's efforts to manage the Meet the Press brand, to expand it, Chuck's efforts to the digital space. This feels like it's something that's been going on for like Ever. 10 years now. Chuck, Chuck Todd had a Meet the Press show, not just on Sundays, but on MSNBC that recently got moved to their streaming platform. Yes. What, is, what is the deal with Meet the Press right now? I mean, this used to be the ascendant Sunday show helmed by Tim Russert. It's still number one in the ratings, obviously, but the Sunday shows aren't what they used to be. Right. First of all, I love the Sunday shows, but the Sunday shows are dying and they've been dying for a really long time because we don't live in a world where, you know, a bunch of interviews on a Sunday morning can set the agenda for the political news cycle. Mm -hmm. Now, Chuck Todd inherited Meet the Press in 2014. That is a moment in which the notion that the Sunday shows were dying and that the new media infrastructure was built around 24-7, you know, instant stream of breaking news was obvious to everyone except perhaps all of Chuck Todd's contemporaries and colleagues in the television industry who were finding it very hard to pull themselves away from the more traditional broadcast model. So Chuck Todd, to his credit saw what Twitter had done to the news cycle, saw what Politico was doing to the news cycle, and decided Meet the Press 
cannot just be a one-hour show on Sundays. It has to be every day on television. It has to be every day on podcasts, in newsletters. It has to be hitting you from every angle. And that is admirable. And it at least suggests an understanding on his part of where this very old and archaic industry is headed. However, eight years later, having thrown a lot of things against the wall, none of it has particularly done much to sort of expand or heighten the influence of either Chuck Todd or Meet the Press. So yes, he is everywhere. And yes, there is a a newsletter. But it's not like the newsletter was as influential as Playbook in the Mike Allen heyday or as as Punchbowl is now or Axios or something like that. The long and the short of it is good on him for trying to create this omni-channel, multi-platform thing mm-hmm. to keep Meet the Press relevant. But it hasn't worked. And a year ago, less than a year ago, they hired Kerry uh, Budoff-Brown, the top editor from Politico, to come in and sort of try to make it work. And just this week, they've announced that Lo and behold, they're going to be overhauling the newsletter again. They are going to be launching yet another podcast. But I think there are a lot of folks in the industry who are like, what is the business here? Why are you still trying to make Fetch happen? What if you just didn't try? (laughs) But it's like, why are you still trying to make Fetch happen with a brand within a brand? So in other words, like, why doesn't NBC just focus on some umbrella brand like NBC politics and just sort of bundle everything into there and then market that brand, that umbrella out there with a bunch of different talent, a bunch of different reporting, a bunch of different investments and distributed content across platforms rather than being like, here's our meet the press branded stuff that exists out there in addition to our other NBC news properties. It just seems weirdly... I don't know. It just seems like misdirection. It, it is misdirection. And my guess, just understanding how NBC executives think, is they really love the idea of leveraging iconic brands. And NBC is filled with iconic brands. Um, uh-huh. The Today Show and Nightly News and Meet the Press. And they think about their assets in terms of these brands. And then you've got, in Chuck Todd, a guy who in a very old-fashioned way, loved and admired and longed to sit in Tim Russert's chair and I think relishes the opportunity to be the face of what is the oldest and longest-running show in television. But at the same time, someone who who really understands the need to, to make these changes. And I think that being the good company man that he is, they want to keep him happy And so they say, yeah, sure, but we should build Meet the Press out. But at a certain point, yes, why do we need to call all of this Meet the Press? Why do we need to try and sell Meet the Press? We have a political team. Let's call it NBC politics. That would be a lot easier for the consumer. And then it wouldn't also all be pegged to one guy and one host who, like, depending on how all this goes, might not even be in that chair for that much longer. This is NBC's, like, misdirection because of what you just said. It's confusing to the consumer. Like, they're not thinking about the audience here. Like I spend every morning, like you do, combing through politics clips. Like even today, I was looking for a story about baby formula and like it took me, I Googled it and then I went from Google News into like a link from Today Show. It was like today.com. Like why does Today Show have a different 
branding, a different web experience than NBC News, than NBC Nightly News, than Meet the Press. Like that's that just like makes zero sense from the consumer side of things. Like you should be developing your brand as NBC News. Yeah. It seems all over the place. It is all over the place. But by the way, that is indicative of the way that NBC, the NBC News operation runs generally. NBC is this, all of these different brands, whether it's Today, Nightly, Meet the Press, Morning Joe, the Rachel Maddow empire, the MSNBC liberal arm, like at a certain point, you're like, can you get a cohesive, coherent strategy that allows you to market this as something where, yes, one brand brings someone through the front door, but then enables them to get access to other things without feeling like this sense of overlap or not understanding where to go with with the various products. And I feel that all the time with NBC and you feel it working there too because it is a collection of fiefdoms and it is a collection of brands that are that are competing with each other much more than they are actually enhancing one another. And that's a, that's a problem for talent development too. Like if you have reporters who are good and they want to either make new things or they have a piece of reporting that should appear across the fiefdoms, then you have producers for all of those fiefdoms trying to claim that reporting or that correspondent for their little island, you know, and it just leads to this like Lord of the Flies thing that it's just like yeah. a management failure. Yeah, it's highly counterintuitive. It is pitching something to the MSNBC thing and they say this isn't for us, but this would be perfect for NBC and NBC says it's not for us, it'd be good for Today Show. And then you get it to the Today Show and you find out that there's a Today Show correspondent who doesn't want you stepping on their turf. And it's just like, <laughs> well, fuck. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that makes me so mad. <laughs> but, you know, look, look, to bring this full circle, again, credit to Chuck Todd for trying because the alternative is death. Yeah. All of that said, don't try harder, try smarter. And Chuck Todd is, is indisputably the hardest working person in political media right now with all of the different podcasts and newsletters and shows that he has. But it's not working. And so find a way to do something that is high impact, high reward. And maybe that doesn't need to exist across a thousand different products. Yeah, like do one thing really, really well. That kind of idea. Or, or three. I think part of the challenge, too, is like if you're Chuck's generation, he was like slightly older than me when I started doing politics. Like you, it's probably true with like, like Jake Tapper as well. Um you know, when they were coming up in political journalism, the throne was the Sunday show. For sure. You know, and then by the time they climbed the ranks and got the promotions and got the contracts, you know, it's 2014, 2015, and eyeballs have moved to the cell phone. And so the throne is no longer the throne. And so you have to find other ways to be relevant because it's not Tim Russert, Bob Schieffer era anymore. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, Dylan, uh, enjoy your Naked and Famous. I will also be making one this evening. <laughs> okay. I'm actually legitimately excited. I do have to find chartreuse because that's not in my bar, um, but I will happily go on a voyage for it. There's plenty of chartreuse in your part of town. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're overdue for drinks. All right. See you, man. All right, man. Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. 
Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right, I found that on Etsy, it's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic, try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Welcome back, everybody. As we ease you into the weekend, I'm joined by Alexandra Bigler, who, uh, as we say every week, is not Fritz, but has a pretty good single source relationship with Fritz and is here to share every week uh, on Feedback Friday what we're getting in the Fritz inbox. Alex, what, what jumped out at you the most this week? First of all, I'm only ever called Alexandra if I've done something wrong and am in trouble in some way. Fair. So if you have something you need to tell me, Peter, I don't know. Like, I've called you both. That's the first time I'm getting right that feedback. Now. I appreciate it. It's Feedback Friday. Thank you for the feedback. This is kind <laughs> of okay. like when people I don't really know call me Pete. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't like that at all. Like my dad and my brother do that, and no one else really gets the green light on that. So if you don't know me. My name is Peter. I'm assuming then that PT <laughs> is just like completely off the table. Can't, nope, can't use that. Can't either. do that. Okay. Can't do that. Great. Great. A <laughs> lot of feedback to share with you this week. I'm pretty excited to, to get into it. But first of all, you know, number one, positive feedback of the week. I'm glad that my confidence building conversation with you last week <laughs> led to you writing another piece this week, uh, which was just awesome. So, of course. Great job. Thank you very much. Well done. Thank you for the A inspired. plus. I needed that. I needed that kick in the butt. <laughs> Go read it. You know, I, whenever you write, I just feel like people. There's a flood of feedback on Twitter and social, and to us, someone wrote recently on Twitter: "Puck is a whole separate level. It's like if chiefs of staff of heads of state, movie moguls, tech titans, and finance execs were all like, you know what? We should publish this. <laughs> um, that. And that's what I think whenever I read your work, in particular." So I love that. I mean, I feel like I say this every other podcast, especially on Media Mondays with John, but we aren't afraid to say the quiet part out loud here at Puck. And I think that gives us a lane. I agree. We actually got a ton of feedback this week about Tina Nguyen, who's one of my favorite writers. I think her beat is fascinating and I think she comes at it through just such an incredible lens. So we got two two pieces I'd like to pull up in particular. One reader who is based in Pennsylvania, is a podcast listener, is a subscriber. This person works in advocacy in Pennsylvania, and he specifically wrote in to say 
that he's really appreciated all of her coverage and the value that she's provided in covering the Pennsylvania election and the the Senate election race in particular. He just thinks she really goes beyond the circus and really into the nuance of of what's going on in a way that he's not reading elsewhere. Yeah, I think she understands the the mind of the the MAGA right and covers it in a way that is actually not unsympathetic, you know, like not just reflexively cynical. And that leads to more insightful primary coverage like Tina's been delivering. Um, What was the other Tina note? So the other Tina note is I know that Tina had come on to issue a, a correction based on listener feedback that she mistakenly referred to Pennsylvania as the granite state when everyone knows it's obviously the Keystone state. So I wanted to make sure to come on because we actually got another piece of, of listener feedback saying that they really appreciated that Tina issued a correction on, on the <laughs> nickname of Pennsylvania. So Yeah, the political junkies, they know that the Granite State is New Hampshire. They also are geography dorks who know that Pennsylvania is a commonwealth and not a state. <laughs> I went to school in Pennsylvania. Um, I went to Gettysburg College. So when I yes. heard Tina, you know, oh my, <laughs> I almost popped my top. I was, I was so upset about the whole thing. Well, transparency so. and corrections are a very important part of developing trust with audiences. Uh, again, I'm on my high horse here, but too many news organizations think that mistakes, even small ones, don't matter. They do. And you can't run away from them. You're supposed to own up to them. Uh, you know, hopefully <laughs> mistaking Pennsylvania for New Hampshire is the smallest mistake Puck makes in the future, but grateful nonetheless. Everything you just said is true. Feedback is a gift, which is why I take the responsibility of Feedback Fridays extremely, extremely seriously. So and what else you got? One last quick thing. A little piece of gossip from 64 Bank Street. So you have done calls with our inner circle members yes. before. Peter. I have. Did you enjoy those calls? Uh, I did. I wanted to know more about who was listening. I said things I wouldn't normally say in the inner circle call. And people missed out because they didn't sign up. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, Our inner circle members, for those of you who don't know, it's a tier of membership that we have at Puck that allows you access to events with our journalists, especially in the form of these bi-weekly off-the-record phone calls. So Tara Palmieri, our newest journalist at Puck, did her very first inner circle call on Thursday, which was a rousing success. Mm -hmm. And behind the scenes, she was actually, you know, dismissing calls coming in from sources as she was talking to our inner circle members um, to the point where we ended up cutting the call a little bit short so that she could go talk to those sources Mm -hmm. to get her incredible newsletter, The Washington Mall, out Thursday evening. Love that. So the little bit of gossip that I will share, hold on to your hats. I know that you just spoke with Dylan Byers a little bit earlier. Rumor has it that Dylan Byers will be joining our next Inner Circle call, which will be this coming Thursday. I love that. Dylan really has the scoop on what's going on, especially right now inside of the big TV news organizations. So if you want to lurk and listen to what he's got to say about CNN, NBC, Warner Brothers Discovery, he is hardwired into those places. So I definitely vouch for the Inner Circle events, and I will be listening in too. These calls are 
definitely saying the quiet parts out loud off the record to our inner circle members. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in learning more, please email fritz at puck.news. All right. Alex, not Alexandra. Have a great weekend. You can call me whatever you want. All right. Alexandra. (laughs) Only you though, PD. Go Reds. Uh, We'll see you next time. Sounds good. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear on this podcast, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. You can visit us at puck.news and on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you next week. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13. 